0: Welcome to Episode 3 of Squad Academy with Dagbo and Adosa, where we share stories of African innovators and investors. This week, we decided to do something a little different. See, so we have received requests from our listeners to provide some key information and insights on what to look out for when setting up a business or investment vehicle on the African continent. So, we decided to speak with Nii Emmanuel, who is a senior associate at Shrimp Sours and Corn Law Firm in Nigeria. Ni acts for and advises clients on issues relating to real estate law, corporate, banking, commercial, and even aviation law. He has helped multiple startups across multiple sectors around the globe with setting up the legal entity. So we decided to get his perspective on the economic landscape of Nigeria, what to look out for when setting up a business, or when investing in African-based startups. So, take a seat back, grab some tea or coffee if you'd like, and of course, enjoy the conversation. Once again, Niyu, thanks for being here with us today. Do oh, you pleasure. Mind, pleasure. Do you mind just giving us a brief intro of who you are and how you got into law and what's, what's that been so far? What kind of law you practice as well? Oh, thanks, guys. It's,
1: it's a pleasure to be here as well. For me, I've practiced law for about eight years. How did I get into law? Well, I guess I was just optimizing for money, mm-hmm. right? So, going back a yeah. bit, I was, um, you know, many people would say lawyers become lawyers because they don't like mathematics,
2: mm.
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I mean, yeah, I didn't like mathematics, but that wasn't the reason why my math was terrible. But then I was good in every other thing, so from literature to arts. Interestingly, I was really good in technical drawing as well, right? But uh, when it was time to choose, I actually wanted to do mass comp and advertising. But then, uh, by the Hmm. time I sat down to just look at the, look at what the the per capita income was like, I mean, law just made sense, Uh, you know, so so law made sense. And then again, of course, you don't need any certification to be in advertising, right? So yeah, true, true, the idea was true. why not just get this one and then you can do advertising if you want to. And interestingly, in light, with my work in intellectual property, I find myself discussing brand positioning a lot. And mm,
2: yeah, time too. so
1: so I mean, I guess I got I got two for, for the price of one. With, uh, with intellectual property and law. And uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question as to why law and uh, oh, yeah, yeah that's
0: right. I think crowdfunding has been going on since the beginning of time, right? I mean, it's always been there. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's taken different shapes and forms, but it's always been there. And in today's world, it, it's practiced differently across countries and reg- regulated differently too. But how would you describe crowdfunding and what makes it important for Africa?
2: So for, for us here in Africa, I mean, you know, we
1: are, we are big on community. We, I mean, it's, it's difficult for you to talk about any African country and not talk about how we live with a communal mindset. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. Every yeah, day on yeah. LinkedIn, and LinkedIn these days you hear people saying things about how they are the first in their family, to have gone to uni or to have finished from school Mm -hmm. and how they're sponsored by their village. And half the time, (laughs) I mean, I don't have any empirical evidence, but half the time they're from some some African country, Mm. you know. And so um, that for us is, I think the community thing is big for us. And that's the basis of crowdfunding, right? The idea is that there's a community that forms around an idea and then Mm -hmm. decide to sponsor it, right? So... That's the first thing. Secondly, I think that um, the deficit in Africa is heavy. I mean, in every industry, every sector you look at, there's something I mean, there's something, or there's a lot to be done actually, and we can't just expect governments to, be um, the ones to handle these things. And yes, even though businesses are supposed I mean businesses are probably the ones who bring us out. But the capital markets, or the market for capital, because when I say market for capital, now you're talking about the formal and informal side.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, you know, it's pretty, It's pretty. I mean, it's, it's not enough as a way. I mean, there's so much to do. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. that crowdfunding itself sort of lends one more viable alternative for raising capital to do some of the projects that need to be done you know, and so yes, I think it's necessary in Africa. And uh, yeah, I think it's something that I mean, that's why you guys are here. That's why sport is here, right? Because you're yep. supposed to yeah. um, help us have optimize for some of these, some of these things. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. That that was great. Nee. And um, I guess it really touches on what what crowdfunding could be and how it's already ingrained in the DNA of Africans and what we do. So taking it, taking it two steps back from that and trying to connect crowdfunding to your domain, which is legal, you know, there are lots of concerns about whether, you know, um, the legal system in Africa holds water. You know, people are concerned about contracts. Do they really carry weight in uh, you know, the court processes and things like that? You know, how can we restore faith in the legal system in general, not just crowdfunding, but in the general legal system across Africa? Quite broad, maybe more than I wanted to see what
1: what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mean, that's a very, very broad question, but uh, I'll try. So, I mean, honestly, right, so I think we should give ourselves some credit in Africa and in Nigeria too. Um, You know, when people talk about Africa, it seems like everything we do, I mean, our problems are unique and all of that. But I think think the, the fact that people think that the legal system is too slow, it's something that occurs. It's a phenomenon that occurs worldwide. I mean, even in the US. Yeah. yeah. You know, granted, it may be a little, maybe quicker, but it's definitely slower than we would like it to yeah. be. Yeah, it, it's a time um,
0: process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It 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 it, it happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. But bringing it home, right? Um, it can be. It can be better. It can be better. Mm-hmm. But I also think that the law doesn't exist in a vacuum. Right. So if you're if you're operating in a a setting where there are certain cultural things or certain cultural inhibitions to effective to effective dispensation of justice, then it will affect the legal system. And what is what I mean? So, for instance, two days ago, I was I was driving home and then some some chap parked right in the middle of the road. He wasn't Mm -hmm. trafficking. Hazard lights were not on. And all of that and then incidentally my mirror hits his own and then i think cracks his his thing and then he so i stopped i mean that's the right thing to do so i stopped and then he comes to me and says well i broke his mirror and i must pay and all those sort of things and i'm like gentleman i'm not saying that I should anything, <laughs> right but you were wrong like you were not even supposed to be here in the first place and he says okay bring your yeah. um I need you to pay something and all that. And I'm like, don't worry, I'll take, I'll give you the, the details of my insurance, uh, my car insurance guide. And of course, that's the, that's one thing they don't want to hear in Nigeria. So he just mm. flares <laughs> up and he's going on and on and on. And I'm like, listen, I can't take responsibility for this thing because I wasn't wrong, because you, know, you shouldn't have been here in the first place, back and forth, mm. back and forth. There was an elderly woman in the car. So at some point she comes down, she goes, uh, your young man, you know, you are I'm a Yoruba woman, I'm an elderly young know, young young enough you know, to be my grandson. And they go into that entire, you know, exactly. story about how you should respect your elders and things like that. And that just changed the tone of the conversation. So I, I so I'm like, okay, sorry, Ma, but I'm not I'm not going to take responsibility for this, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually we settle. But well, I'm saying this story because many times as a lawyer, right, in my line of work, you find out that the terms and everything is clear. But because of some cultural thing, maybe you're talking an elderly person or because of some ethnic it bias. It the lines. Exactly, so it just sort of blurs the lines, right? And these are some of the things that affects, you know, dispensation of justice here in mm-hmm. Nigeria. And when I say justice, I'm talking about the court system now because you guys talked about enforcing contracts
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know i mean i could go on for days about stories that i've been involved in and i've heard about the enforcement of judgments mm-hmm. uh, there was one i was part of one time and i actually told myself i was never going to work with the belief again to go and enforce a judgment because i didn't like what i saw the stories i heard mm-hmm. you know But I don't think think it's all doom and gloom, honestly. I think that um, there are certain things that are being put in place now, at least in Lagos, which is where I practice, and in Nigeria, because I I have a perspective on Nigeria as well. There are certain things that are being put in place that's, that's that's sort of adding some speed to the system. So, for instance, in Lagos, we have something called the Small Claims Court. Right, which is like um, it's not a word. It's actually a court. You have the judge or a magistrate who presides over proceedings. But well, then the procedure is watered down. So, for instance, you don't need a lawyer to appear in the, in the small claims court. You can get a lawyer, but you don't need to. um The rules of evidence and all, and the filing of processes. uh so you basically just fill a claims form, and that's what you submit before the court the parties can appear before the court and then you know judgment is given so it's, it's quick and you have it for, for claims between I think zero to five million Naira or so you know so this so that's one that's one thing that is coming um there's also I mean from experience there's also um a an increasing adoption of alternative um, dispute resolutions um, mechanisms so arbitration Mediation, conciliation, and all those other things are being used a lot more. Uh, so I think I think it's a concerted effort to restore faith in our legal system. Right? It can't just be one thing, but I think it's a number of things that should be put in place. So you have, media, for instance. Um, I I personally think we need more judges. I don't think we have enough. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we have enough.
3: Rough idea. How many judges didn't we have in? Nigeria
1: I don't know I don't know
0: actually I haven't sat down to actually just check it but yeah I'm just, just, right? just curious about that That's actually a very well detailed um, explanation on I mean, the outlook on law um, and how it's been practiced could be better so thanks for that yeah. we've kind of talked about crowdfunding right and just law in general but I want to take, yeah. a, take a look at founders in general I mean just founders right entrepreneurs and yeah. all that thing is that we know a lot of founders like to push getting legal advice, just maybe due to the cost at the beginning of the project or whatever it is. But what are some of the big things that are missed due to absence of legal representation in the early days of a business?
1: Well, that's a fantastic
0: question. Right? As a matter of fact, there was a time when
1: I was working on some tech solution that sort of just made it easy for small businesses and founders to have access to uh, to legal services. So many times, I think, like you said, the first thing that makes them relegate really law or legal services to the back is probably because of the cost. They think, well, why am I giving this amount of money that I could use to do something else? But mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. when um, things go south, mm it then becomes way more expensive. I mean, yeah. at times, businesses actually have to shut down because of the legal issues that they ignored or did not see at the beginning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I have seen costs as one of the reasons why. But I guess for some basic primer and to give an idea to founders who would listen to you guys, or listen to this podcast. Um, of course the structure you adopt at the beginning is very important right because it informs a lot of things it informs um i mean easy the tax the tax considerations or the tax implications on your business you know um so the structure you adopt then of course the team the team that you're putting together uh, many times people come together with friends and then there's not, there's nothing on paper that states mm-hmm. who's doing what mm-hmm. and what each person is bringing to the table and how they intend to measure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you must, I mean, when money comes into the conversation comes in, I mean, the conversation changes many mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could, I could go for days on the different stories of how people who were guys and were friends, and then they started doing business together and all of a sudden they can't even be in the same room. Wow! So, and it's simply because of mismatched expectations, right? At some point, somebody begins to feel I'm doing more than the other person. And, uh, you know, I should be entitled to a larger piece of the cake mm. and stuff like that, you know, so, um, I mean, you'll be, you'll be amazed at how, how mundane this sounds but it's something that people do not do you know i mean i've even seen lawyers who go into business and fail to have agreements right <laughs> for some funny reason i don't know maybe maybe it's just the cultural thing <laughs> again like i talked about right maybe it's just that yeah. fact that you're afraid that when you um bring a document, they, you're implying that you? Like you don't trust the person
3: yeah to your guy you're like friends, i don't trust you mm-hmm.
1: Exactly right, like people begin, but I don't think so. I actually don't think that it's best to have all those things laid out on the table, you know. It's very yeah. important because I mean, down to the decision making in the business, I don't know if you guys read this. Uh, I, I remember I, I think I actually gifted it just at the book, this, this book by Yomi Jamie Bell on, okay, uh, yeah, risk, risk, and return. risk, on return. yeah, yes. you know. I mean, I, that's a book I recommend to founders who want to do business in Nigeria. You know, mm. it, was, it was very, very upfront and candid.
0: And, and what's, what's, well, what's the book again?
1: Risk and Return Risk by Yomitian. Yeah, Yomitian Mbeho. Mm. Yomi okay. Yomi he's, he's the guy at Cardinals. He's one of the partners at Cardinals. And what stood yes. out for me there was the decision-making structure that he set up. So there were four partners, and the agreement between themselves was that, listen, we understand that the general approach is the simple majority would carry the day right but because we want to maintain a cohesive structure all our decisions on management level must be unanimous such that if one person does not agree we would shelve that idea and spend our energies to get the person to see it from our perspective and agree you know and I think it was interesting for me because that sorts out many issues down the line. You know, you yeah. won't have one partner who then feels left out. And then maybe- All on board. That's, what do you say? They're
3: all on board, almost be on board. Exactly, Yeah. on board, right? Yeah. yeah. we well, trying to move in that intersection between, you know, because now you know you've brought some founder dynamics into the picture. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to touch on something that Although it's a non-legal role, in the in the global startup ecosystem, lawyers have been the nexus between founders and you know and investors and have consistently helped founders raise funds. You know, you talked about examples yeah. of that before. What role do you yeah. think lawyers play and how do you and how do they help in that whole um, relationship between founders and investors?
2: Right. Um, so I think I think that
1: lawyers play many rules and the more the more astute you are as a lawyer the more relevant you are to
2: deal making and to transactions right um
1: so yeah. beyond the structures that are put in place because I mean many times investors are concerned about um who they are investing in what they are investing in the context in which they are investing could be the regulatory context to so be the social context, or the I mean, the different context for investment, and lawyers play a very huge role in piecing all these things together, right? Because I mean, one policy from government can shut down a business. Have you seen that many times happen in Nigeria? You know, so lawyers need to come in to set up structures that are able to um, navigate regulation. You know, so that's an important thing. Otherwise, money goes into a structure and then it's found to be non-compliant, and then everything just fizzles out. so I think I think that's an important thing also over time, lawyers have just come to see or understand the kind of things that investors are looking out for. I mean so lawyers and financial advisors, of course
2: um, yeah, and so yeah.
1: if you have a lawyer working with you from the beginning, he can almost tell you, you know. Some of the things that investors would be asking for that would engender trust and make it easier for them to do the deal. Sometimes, I mean, not to take away from the fact that you have good ideas, um, but sometimes some founders overestimate the, I don't know, looking for the word now, but they overestimate the power of the idea and they just think that the idea will power them through getting investments and they ignore structures, they ignore other important things. Yeah. So I think when right. lawyers come in. It's sort of just so you go ahead run with the idea. But let's just so let's let's put the let's put the structure behind mm-hmm. you such that by the time you look back you're not just in the air and there's nothing for you to stand on.
0: If we're to look at um I mean we just talk about founders, right? And raising funds, but if we're to look at investors, right? What kind of lawyers should angel investors look out for um when going to a new economy so i mean so you have for example you have those in the u.s angel investors in the u.s who want to delve into the nigerian market um and sometimes they go with the american lawyers um as opposed to go with a local lawyer who's on ground and Mm -hmm. who has roots planted in the foreign land but what kind of lawyers i mean should angel investors go for
1: well, easy answer. I'll say come to me, but uh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, on a serious note though, um I mean you should come to you should find lawyers who can who have an understanding of the terrain, right? Um yes, foreign lawyers may have an idea because of how much they've interacted, but half the time, and I tell you this for free, they have a local lawyer that they're working with. Right. Mm-hmm. Who's advising them on the Nigerian legal system and the things that obtain yeah. here? Mm-hmm. You know. So um even need to tell you listen, we haven't. So I
2: guess. Exactly.
1: Yeah, you know. So that's it. But then again, I mean, because of the complex nature of the investment, right? And mm-hmm. how the money goes over borders and things like that, I'm not the, the foreign lawyers have their have their value. There's, there's something that bring to the table as well. Because gotcha. for you, I mean, for instance, if you are moving money out of the U.S., there are certain things you have to do in order for you to be able to bring it back in. Mm. If you miss, so you probably need a, a lawyer who's who's based in the U.S. who understands that. Similarly, you're bringing your money into into Nigeria for you to be able to take it out as well. There are certain parameters you must meet. Mm. You know, like the C.C.I.s and things like that for repatriation, for taxes
2: mm-hmm.
1: and all that stuff. So, on both ends, you need lawyers who um, are, aware, are aware of that system. Um, of course, don't I won't say don't 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 go for cheap, right? Because mm-hmm. many times people just go for the lawyer who they think they can afford, and they don't care whether or not the person has the proficiency in that in that space. You know, so um, just sort of, I mean, recommendations also work. I mean, as a matter of fact. For me, and like many lawyers that I work with, most of our work comes from referrals because of the people we've worked with before, mm. and they are, they're able to know who is uh, who's versed in this. So yeah, I would say I would say find somebody who's proficient in the area and in the industry you're looking to invest in as well, because investing in medical tech, for instance, is different from investing in uh, in a Greek, uh, just pulling, uh, yes, there's a tech element to it, but there are other aspects of it as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah.
1: Licenses, the liability thresholds, and also things like that. Yeah. So those are some so, of the
0: things. Um, just to touch on something that you said, right? So you said Indian investors should look out for, necessarily the cheap option, but they should look for someone who is proficient and who's going to be effective, right? Exactly. Yeah for someone who's a novice in that space, angel investor who's just trying to break into that economy, yeah. how do they go about finding who's proficient? Like, right? how do they know who to reach out to? How do they know where to look for these proficient and effective lawyers?
1: Yeah, I mean, then again, I mean, it's, it's more shameless, plug. they should come to squad, right? Because, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because, I mean, that's that's one of the value propositions of squad, right? Yeah. You, you, do, yeah. you, you yeah. do this over a number of uh, many times and mm-hmm. so you have a pipeline or a network of professionals who mm-hmm. you work with. Mm-hmm. So come to squad, ask questions, right? People who you've seen work in, who you've seen invest, reach out mm-hmm. to them. I'm looking to do this mm-hmm. and I need some advice, you know? And then they'll yeah. put you, they'll link you up with people mm-hmm. who can who can help,
0: yeah. That's a solid point. That's a solid point. So squad is the answer. That's I, I like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Like come, come to
1: squad.
0: I like that. <laughs> <laughs> to touch on the, on the crowdfunding space,
3: I know yeah. I, in Nigeria, more in particular, I know you've written an article about that in the past, but um, yeah. and I know SED just recently came out with a new publication as well. Mm-hmm. And there's currently a ban on equity crowdfunding in particular in Nigeria. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this, is this something that you think is going to be sustainable? And, and what do you think the future of equity crowdfunding would look like? And crowdfunding in general. So, you can now touch on other crowdfunding aspects that are currently allowed in Nigeria as well. What do you see the optimal crowdfunding regulatory land- landscape looking like in Nigeria and maybe across Africa?
1: Um, so, first off, right, I mean, the, the, the SEC's position doesn't necessarily ban crowdfunding because you find that, like, in effect, we are still crowdfunding, at least in the startup space, with the use of safes, okay. with the use of syndicated uh, funds. Um, ah investment clubs.
2: yeah
1: i mean people are still crowdfunding right um it's just that what the sec did uh, is they just sort of raised the threshold and they sort of mandated that for you to be able to do some of those things you have to work with certain intermediaries who are already people who operate in the capital markets right although there was an interesting play and i'm not i mean i'm not taking any sides, but there was an interesting play in those in those regulations or in that in that publication rather where they allowed okay. the guys who have already been running basically all the all the farm crowdy and those guys they allow them to run their own platform and they can raise money on their own platform yeah. whereas other guys will still have to go to the intermediaries mm. but that's by the way i mean that's what it is so you have to work around that what's Either way, i mean we still find that even without the systems or without the um the, the formal crowdfunding structure we are still we are still raising funds right i yeah. mean you have you have many companies who are doing who are using safes to raise money and things like that right they're raising their their crowdfunding in my opinion
0: i do agree with you. i mean there's i mean you, you have you still have debt crowdfunding which is pretty much what um, the likes of the farm crowdies, the Thrive Greeks, the agro-partnerships do, right? I and mean, that's all debt yeah. crowdfunding. Um, so yeah. that, I, I think that's, uh, clearly, that's that's legal under certain requirements. However, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what is currently illegal, and what, what Edison was trying to allude to is equity crowdfunding as a portal so oh yes yes. Yeah, yes yes so yeah so you, you can't you can't have so companies can raise funds as companies right but you can't but someone can't have a portal that's strictly an equity crowdfunding platform where people just come on there and put the companies and raise funds through equity
1: oh yeah, okay. okay i get that yes yeah. yes so, i mean that's 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 um that's been there for a while so generally private companies cannot raise money from the public right
2: Yeah, Um, yeah,
1: yeah. So they can't, I mean, you need, there are certain things you have to do for you to be able to raise money from the public. If you want to raise money, then you have to do the private placement and all that stuff, which is a different different scheme. So yes, I mean, it's, it's, uh, yes, I just say it's correct. Um, Private companies cannot cannot crowdfund as it were. Like that. Mm, yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. So why is that so? To be honest, it's a little concerning because I feel like it kind of I understand there's a side that wants to kind of protect the public, but at yeah. the same time, it kind of hinders to say what I' was trying to say lightly. At the same time, yeah. we are the public is free to
3: you know place bets on sports mm-hmm. games. Not to gambling yeah. any industry. Mm. But the public is not free to place bets on a company. You guys yeah. mm. I mean mm. Mm.
2: Yeah, I
1: think there's a merit to I think there's a merit to that, right? I mean, otherwise, anybody would just set up a company and, mm. you know, go to markets and then the regulators would not mm. have any perspective on, you know, how to do it mm. and who's, how much is coming in, what the money is being used for and things like That's that. I mean, if you want people. to do that, mm. simply go to the public markets, right, where you can list your shares mm. and do things and then you, have, then you meet all the disclosure requirements, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, you could do that. I mean, the NSC recently launched the growth, the growth board as well. In addition board. To the, yeah. yeah. So the growth board is there with lower thresholds for companies to get in lower. I mean, you still have you still have the disclosure requirements, but not as heavy as uh, the main board or the uh, I mean the ASCM or something. Right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you want to do that, you could go there. So I think there's some merits to it and not, I mean, thinking creatively, right? If you probably put your books together for a private placement, but you could have a decent amount of people coming, which, if you use it in the loose sense, is crowdfunding. Do you get what I'm saying yeah. If you use it,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, yeah for instance, you went to an investment club where they have people who have put who have come together and have put their money in a particular pot,
2: yeah
1: uh, with a particular unit and all of that, and then that that unit can then invest, you know you could have. I mean, after all, private equity firms invest in in companies on the private side, yeah, and yeah. private equity fund is basically an amalgamation of funds from limited partners. So, mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. so if you're using it loosely, that's crowdfunding. But if you're bringing it down to so using the portal and all that stuff, yeah, that's what's prohibited. You can't go to the market to raise money. I yeah, think, I important. think, I think that's important because I mean. The same way you have the distinction between the accredited and mm-hmm. uh, non accredited investor in the US, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you have guys who really don't even know much about this thing and then they're True. putting their money in. I mean, you, to go with the example that I just have talked about, right? I mean, I, I was privileged to have advised somebody on the, or clients, on the, on the new legal scheming laws that just came into force. So we actually went and we had like a back and forth with the regulator. And you see you have all sorts of thresholds there as well on how they try to limit um, you know, gamers or people who are what's the word? Is the word they use for them now? um zip pointers now For people who are who are actually stay bets now they there are thresholds they have to oh, okay, meet,
3: okay, okay, okay. So, know, so they have some regulation as well.
1: Yeah, of course they do. As one of the they are selling oh, wow. guys who are blacklisted from mm-hmm. betting. You know, so that's that's there as well. So I mean, when you're dealing with the public, you have to be very careful because you have so many categories of people, and you can't just assume that they all have the expertise or the knowledge to be able to uh, participate in an industry. Yeah, it's
0: it's interesting you said that because a lot of crowdfunding, equity crowdfunding platforms, right? It's, It's actually a requirement, at least in the US. Exactly, yeah. requirements for equity crowdfunding platforms to educate those who use the, the audience, platform. Public. Exactly, not, exactly. Not, so
3: that's that's a very good point. I just find that interesting. I was talking about education and angel investors, who I guess would be the crowd funders in this situation. And we obviously we're all about people in diaspora, general people interested in Africa, investing mm. as angel investors in African startups, right? Mm. But then they they're coming in they're looking for lawyers, they're trying to find a local lawyer that has domain knowledge, but the second question they also have is the structure right the structure of the investments. Um, I I touch that yeah. earlier before, but so when choosing for how important does how important does the structure play a role in the success even of the company, both on the risk management aspect and and the growth aspect so meaning we're trying to invest in this company. They're coming in and saying the convertible notes, or it's safe, or or you know, there's so many lingos now in the as an angel investor that you're facing. How do you yeah. compare all these entry points? You know, a priced round and stuff. Uh, I you
2: know, say get a lawyer,
1: right? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, get me actually, not just any lawyer, especially um, well. Yeah, so to answer that question, how do you how do you navigate that, or what what impact do these instruments have on the success of, yeah. a, of, of an investment? I mean, I said that there 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 has to be some context for the, for me to be able to answer that more effectively, right? But also, I'll yeah. I'll try all the all the same. So it depends. It also depends on the type of industry, the amount being raised, the company, and the objectives of the company. Of course, from the investor side, the risk appetite of the investor and a few other things like that. So, for instance, um, from what I see and from where we are in the market now, safes seem to be the best options or seems to be the preferred option for both founders and investors. Reason being that.
0: So, need, for those who don't fully understand what safe is or crowd safe is, can you just where? explain what that is all about?
1: Oh, Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's safe. It's basically, I mean, it's called a simple agreement for future equity. It's an amazing innovation by Y Combinator. As an aside, myself and some guys on my team are actually working to put something together that's more Africa focused and more mm. into to Nigeria, mm. because there are still certain things that happen yeah. mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. are not that don't rec- that are in the safe or don't recognize the nuances of African business. So the uh climate here. Well that's by the way, right? Um so we're looking forward to that. To, uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. Maybe that'll be one of the things that squad will help us push.
0: There you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, but, so generally so what we, the idea behind the seed is that the investor and the founders agree that I'm gonna give you this money and at some point in the future when certain things happen, then this money I give you will be converted to equity. So, those things that happen are called liquidation events. So, it's either an IPO or the acquisition of the company, basically. So, those are the things that sort of trigger. And then, of course, there's a price round as well. Price round meaning that somebody has now come in and has decided to value the company and mm. take up equity in the company and things like that. That also mm. is an event that triggers the conversion of the safe. Mm. In summary, I mean, I hope that, does that that clarify what the safe is? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, perfectly, yes, yes. yes.
1: Okay, so back to the question, right? So you have to, depending on the instruments in play and the expectations of the parties, um, I think that's that's what will determine the instrument to go with. But then again, like I said, the safe is what's preferred now because of the ease, the transaction closes quickly and all of that. But then, we basically with the safe, you are just pushing the conversation down the road, right? For instance, with valuation, with the safe, I mean, mm-hmm. exactly we have agreed we are not going to value the company now, mm-hmm. but we're just going to keep it down, right?
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: With the post-money safe, which is the more recent version, right? There is that conversation about valuation, even though because I mean the. It's, it's uh, the investors would usually want the valuation to be less, mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. a founder would want the valuation to be more. To be more. Yeah. Because it determines the stake, right? So yeah. you still have that conversation. We still have that conversation here. And it's such an emotive topic,
2: hmm.
1: you know. But the beauty about the safe is that you can always, you can always adjust those things as you go along. So, mm-hmm. for instance, if there's a subsequent investor before the price round, it touches the valuation and mm-hmm. whoever invested at the beginning gets to participate in that as well, of course, mm-hmm. depending on the terms you put in mm-hmm. and things like that. So, like I said, right, it's the, the question is quite general, but mm-hmm. a lot of factors coming, the parties involved, the type of business, the industry, um, the expectations of the parties, the regulatory structure around or within which the company participates in, and things like that. So those are some of the factors that you have to consider to be able to determine the ease and, of course, the success of the investment.
0: That's that's solid. Thanks for that. As startup funding becomes more global, right, across all nations, does it make it more complex for African startups to meet legal requirements of various investors? Because the thing is, I, I assume most startups are structured as, I mean, most startups on the African continent are structured as a Delaware or an island company operating in Africa through a subsidiary. Is that correct? Yeah, in, basically. Exactly, yeah. What is the compliance requirement for such structure? So I, I guess a two-part question. Just to elaborate on why do a lot of these African startups um, structure as a Delaware or an island company and what is the uh, compliance requirement? Okay,
1: great question. So, I mean, first off, right, the reason the reason for that that whole structure is because a lot of the money comes from outside. Right, so if most of the investors, at least in the startup space um, in Nigeria,
2: mm-hmm.
1: are not local investors. They are funds in the U.S. funds, mm-hmm. basically in the U.S. Right, because that's mm-hmm. where you seem to have the most mature startup ecosystem, mm-hmm. you know, and the funding. So a lot of the money comes in from there. And the choice of Delaware is because Delaware. Over time, has sort of developed um, a system of law that's very efficient and supports startup business and the business, the startup business model. You know, they recognize intellectual property um, and all those things, and it's it's not as expensive to manage, you know, to run the entity. So many times, what you have is um, you have an entity set up in Delaware. many what is you i mean the the chronology happens like this so you start up here in nigeria and when you get to a certain point where you're looking to raise money from these guys you do something called a flip right Mm -hmm. where you set up an entity in the in Delaware and then the Nigerian entity or the other entities that you would set up as you're expanding become Mm -hmm. operating right mm. and then delaware entity is the structure or is the holding, is holding the holding company entity. yeah basically yeah so the core investments and all of that will be in the delaware structure but gotcha. yeah gotcha. so that's 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 how it works um as to compliance the truth is the operating units are still i mean if they are effectively still local companies so an entity registered in nigeria is still a nigerian entity right? That will have to comply with Nigerian law. One registered in Ghana is a Ghanaian entity that will have to comply with Ghanaian law gotcha. and so on. Do you understand? Gotcha. So compliance is definitely more complex uh, for taxes, mm-hmm. for corporate governance, uh, because now you're dealing with cross-border stuff. Mm. You probably will still have to, for financial reporting, you probably still have to you know, submit some consolidated reports, maybe to the US mm-hmm. or something like that, depending on who you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Depending on the size of your balance sheet, you may also be talking about transfer pricing, which is a big tax thing. Maybe if you are moving services within the group, right, you begin to talk about those issues as well. So, yes, it becomes mm-hmm. complex. Of course, at that point, you most likely have the capacity to recruit professionals to advise you. And how to navigate those ones, mm-hmm.
3: you know. Quick one on your last statement:
1: Is there any equivalent to Delaware,
3: any African equivalents, in terms of um, that of friendly legal framework, as opposed to in terms of investor traffic, but more on the framework?
1: In Africa, I I, I haven't seen one yet. Actually, um, I know at some point Rwanda was very, was coming up. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: I've heard of that. Yeah, I've heard of that.
1: Too. Yeah, I mean, Rwanda, Tanzania as well. But as to, what I haven't seen, I'm here to see, I mean, the usual suspects, you have Mauritius, BVI, Cayman Islands, yeah. Estonia
2: is becoming. Yeah, more tax and
1: other, stuff. Estonia is also becoming a darling. Ireland is there as well. But for Africa, within Africa, I haven't seen one yet. I mean, Rwanda was was there, like I said. Tanzania is there, but I, I can't say that. I can't say that um, we have critical mass to then identify them as preferred destination. True. true.
2: Yeah.
3: The elephant in the room, right? So, me, is that we've had a very good glimpse of knowledge just by this conversation with you now, and yeah, I'm curious. How do guys like me, you know, small boys, get more access to to yourself to big law firms? In the sense of, we feel that, or there's a hysteria that maybe large law firms kind of ignore startups. Uh, You know, they face bigger clients and stuff like that. And that's because of the push and pull as to why startups Mm -hmm. even avoid them in the first place. And we need that mask because we think larger law firms have more experience and um, have a global presence and have that vast terrain experience that can help the startups. But we're not really seeing that, um, at least for me on the outside, we're not seeing that, happening more so is that true and how how can that be flipped around
1: so i mean i i appreciate that that rhetoric because i mean many startups just sort of feel that big law firms are too expensive or or their business will not be priority but i see that changing right for instance at my firm and some, some other firms at my firm for instance we have we actually have a start-up practice where we support expansion, where we work with start businesses, and we're very flexible on pricing, right? Because we understand that many of them may not be flush with cash now, so we don't want them to die they just because they can't pay legal fees. So we have all sorts of arrangements that we put in. So big law firms—I mean, you'd be surprised—even firms as big as PwC actually have. A desk for advisory advisory services for startups, right? For financial modeling and things like that. Of course, you pay something, and it may be slightly expensive, but you at least you're sure that you're getting the best value in the market, right? So, um, I think I think um, that there's that shift happening. Anybody who ignores the magic of startup business these days is probably under a rock, because you know that. You could discount the initial years, but by the time you look at the upside, it covers everything. You know, so many, I mean, firms are working it into their business model now to be able to accommodate some start of business. They may not be able to do too many because yeah. that would become too expensive, right? But they can just guys who are doing a number. And of course, so there's I mean, the appetite. yeah, there's the appetite, okay. yes. Yeah, I think many times it's just this complex, and then many startup guys just feel they can't approach this guys. But if you do, and they, they see value in your in the idea, I'm sure they'll back yeah. you. I mean, I've actually seen one or two law firms and lawyers actually even invest in some of the startups mm. they advise. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. So I think the the problem is that people don't engage. That's why they don't know.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah just Take it from all the like seriousness, right? Can you just walk us through your current favorite startup deal you worked on and why?
1: Oh, okay. So, uh, I don't know if I can mention names, Mm. but um, so you had it, it had to deal with uh, but I have a few now. I'm wondering which one to talk about, which is the easier, which was the okay. I think I'll talk about the one that was the most difficult because it took us two years to complete and yeah and the so the point is you we were talking with the normal investors and the guys had to iterate a number of times before they eventually got market fits and something that started in nigeria ended up becoming a uk entity with uk investors right um because turns out that the service they thought they were delivering in nigeria was needed more in the uk than in nigeria So yeah, that for me was interesting. So Mm -hmm. generally, um, the way it starts, I mean, you meet your founders and you start talking, you set up the entities, or they give you an idea of what they're looking to set up. Okay. And what then the objectives that, uh, or what they want to achieve, you know? So I'm talking from ground zero now. Yeah. You know, from ground zero. And of course, the earlier you get your lawyer involved, the better, Mm -hmm. because... You uh, you avoid many of the pitfalls that, um, that the founders get into. Yeah. So yeah. first thing we did, of course, was put together a founders agreement between okay. guys who are the team. Um, okay. So so sometimes you could set it up before you could have the founders agreement before the entity is set up, or you could have it afterwards. Um, I have a preference of putting the company as a party if the company has been set up already, so the company becomes a party to that agreement because mm. that way the company becomes bound by it. So that even if the board changes, the company is still a party to the agreement, mm. right? Whereas if the company is in the party, if the board changes, it's just an agreement between the founders. Mm. The small, that's a small detail that people, should, the founders should be aware of, um, particularly as they're protecting themselves down the line when you have more, more hands uh, in the kitty you know you won't be able to you need to have obligations to you from the company um having said that um so we said we said we set up the founders agreement and then register the entity put together a financial model and then set up a suite to track of documents and everything that investors will want to see we had our temp sheets ready and all that stuff and i think it was a basic um pretty serious thing it wasn't wasn't a lot of money I think we were looking to raise was it 200,000 or so okay that's not bad and we had many calls where we actually even go to points where we would have agreements and all of that and then sometimes the investors won't go well eventually we found guys who were interested it was actually a consortium of guys um the some were in turkey others were in the uk and they agreed to come together to invest. so It was like a syndicated investment, um and yeah, so it wasn't even. So we didn't use any of the saves or anything. We used at that point the safe hadn't become this popular. We used. Uh, so it was a, was a straight up equity deal, where they were taking, they're taking equity in the company. Okay. okay. And uh, yeah, and you know they took up about I think twenty five percent. Wow at that time so that's what i'm saying like, it's interesting to me because at that point this was in 2013 actually wow, it's wow. an old deal right or it stays in my mind because of i was frontline in the conversations with these guys i mean it's also been every other to thing, every other deal i've worked it hasn't been so difficult it's been easy because thanks to the safe thanks to mm-hmm increased expertise mm. and all of that, you know. But at that point, it was me working with these guys, young guys, we were straight out of straight out school, not straight out of school, but a few years into, the, into yeah. Yeah. working, you know. And at that point, it was big money to us. We're trying to learn something. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, we pushed it for a while. Wow. But then when the money came in, it was, I, I, I remember the feeling because at that point I had become part of the team, you know, <laughs> so, so it was good. Um, nice. Reviewing the agreements, of course, we went through an investment agreement and I had to go through that draft, advice on that, advice on Nigerian law as well. Uh, there was no debt element to it, so there wasn't any security that had it going. Um, yes, they had a board of one of the parties had a of observer because their their own investment wasn't a lot. And that's, I mean, which is something I should highlight for founders as well, talking to investors. Okay. Because many times investors, as given when you're talking about the price round, now investors want to they want control to a certain extent. Um, you have some very ambitious investors yeah. who are not really like they're giving you 10 million and they want they want eighty percent. Yeah, yeah. they right? They they feel that they are coming to save you.
0: Yeah, I mean, you only, you, like that. You only have to watch Shark Tank and watch Kevin and Larry.
1: Exactly, right? <laughs> they're together, they, they are very, very, very sharkish. You know, they want to just take everything. Exactly. You know, and sometimes as a founder, you are in you are in, you are in, in need of the money, but you also you are also trying to posture as if you don't need them. You know, so you're in that in that uh, tight spot so what i tell some of the founders that i work with is listen i get the fact that these guys want to have a perspective on what's happening at board level right but you don't want them to be able to vote because with votes and all of that they can determine the direction of your company yeah you know and at this point you want to be able to stay you want to be able to stay true to your vision Mm -hmm. right because Mm -hmm. once they come in They have other targets. They have other people that they're reporting to. Mm -hmm. They have Mm -hmm. returns and things like that, you know? So we, one thing, so two things, that's why the safe is beautiful because these guys have equity, but at this point they can't vote. You're still in full control
2: of your company. True, true.
1: Assuming you get to the point where it's a price round and it's an equity stake they're taking, then you could grade it. So instead of you taking two seats, or taking three. So assuming you have more than one investor, of course, the person with the largest piece should take a seat, right? Yeah. But the others can be board observers. What that means is they attend board meetings, they can make interventions there, but they cannot vote. Mm. Okay. So okay. that's that's something you can you can bring in. And many times in conversations and in deals that I have joined in the middle. That sort of changes the conversation, you know, because I'm like, listen, okay, so you want to sit on, you want to be at the board, you want to see what's happening, you can have that, but you just won't be able to vote. And then many times, of course, the the real intention of the investor shows up, because many times what they really want is the ability to vote, but they say, I just want to be able to know, I want to be able to see the accounts, I want to be able to see those things. And by the time you tell them, listen, okay, you can see all these things, you just won't be able to vote. Gotcha. Then they changed their team, you know. Gotcha. But yeah, so in that deal we had a board observer. Um, what else? Yeah, I mean, I was happy because it eventually was a success, right? We were able to, to raise what we wanted, and nice. of course we've become we've stayed
0: friends since then. Nice, 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 yeah. Just, just out of curiosity, I mean I mean, is, is that company still up and running today is it still I mean it's still operating yeah yeah it- yeah actually
1: the company is still in existence yes as a matter oh, of nice. fact the guys are actually sort of dialed down and moved on to start so you know how founders are oh yeah something becomes yeah. a system yeah. They, don't try, yeah they just set up they begin to do something else so they sort of mm. move now but the business is still alive yes
0: good that's, that's yeah. if you're only giving one African company right to invest in yeah for the rest, yeah. of, your, for the rest of your life only one african company wow. it can be uh it can be your law firm it can be your own personal company but just one african company to invest in what would that company be and why just
3: one
0: or just yeah, one that's yeah. really just good one though.
3: just one and that company will be your only investments so you have no yep. investment in any I'm other my country only investment. Yep. yep yes
1: <laughs>
2: uh, what
3: would you bet really on
1: well i'll bet on piggyvest actually oh oh why piggy vest well because i mean in nigeria right piggy vest is that company that you just sort of seen and think why did i think of this right because nigeria is not such a rich country right and at certain level people are able to i mean you can save as low as one thousand every day Mm -hmm. you can save Mm five hundred every day Mm -hmm. and you have the volume like that so you can just imagine what I don't know if you saw her tweets at the end of last year, where she said yeah. they paid out ninety-five like billion. Or yes,
2: so. yes, yes, yes.
3: Withdrawals. That's course. how
1: much they paid out. Imagine how much they actually have.
3: Mm-hmm. Of yeah.
1: course, I agree that that's you probably crazy. have returns. So that the fact that they paid out probably means I mean those guys could have brought the money back and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But the point is, yeah. I mean, looking at it from a GMV perspective, that's a lot of money in play. Right?
2: Yes, yeah.
1: Mm. And once you are once you are flushed with that amount of cash, mm. the question is what can you do? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so unless especially it, an, an asset manager. Mm. Exactly, right? So PGS can do so many things. I mean, mm. I'm sure, I mean I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know this. I don't know this, but I'll just imagine that with this first check that she that they're running, that she herself herself and a uh, local from Endeavour yeah. they set I would imagine that Piggy West may have a stake in that, right? where they've sort of put in some money there from their maybe their revenue or profit and they are able yeah. to invest in other things, right? Because mm, yeah. they have a lot of money and it's such a viable thing that I can see Piggy West working for the next 10, 20 years
2: mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. as new
1: people are coming into the job market you may not be able to ask. They want to
2: start mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. so they may not be able to get certain kinds of investments, but they can begin to put in those things and then Piggives will invest on your behalf and all mm-hmm. that stuff. You have the dollar nominated savings. I mean it's so so for me, piggy stands out because it takes in so many things
2: mm-hmm. like
1: you know like carbon or I mean imagine if Piggyvest decided to have like a crypto function for instance. They can do yeah. it. Yeah. Right? Because they have a sitting community of people who yep. would easily just, just, they're very emotional. Exactly.
2: Lending
3: as well, even lending, because you can lend against your balance. You're yeah. going to have 100% exactly, right? to you guys, so, Can I borrow 90K from you guys.
1: Yeah. There's so many things that hmm. they can do, you know. I mean, I'm sure they are probably going to invest in some companies already.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: So there's there's no, there's no... The way you're marketing for them,
3: were you on that convertible note? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was, man. I wish I was. I wish I was. But yeah, the for me was, was the company I would probably
1: invest in. I like that. If like, like that's the only company I could
0: invest in. That would be a, would be a very good option. I, I, honestly, I, I would not have seen that coming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's solid. The choice that's on the industry. The, the industry, industry. Oh, yeah. 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 So... That was our conversation with Niyi. And just FYI, there are currently 16 justices on the Nigeria Supreme Court. But thank you for listening. Please feel free to provide some feedback, like, and share this with your network. Also, don't forget to follow us on our social media pages at LinkedIn at Squad, Facebook at Squad, and Instagram at squad.co. Thank you once again. It's been your host, Dakbo, and I'll speak to you next time.